If you go through a design process, by the time you get to the end and you develop the product, making any significant change to that is not only nearly impossible, it's often very costly. A lot of people, when they go to a new location, they buy one of the travel guides to that country. And ideas that are all centered or framed with the goal of supporting identity development. Welcome to season three of ISS EDU Learn, Ask Me Anything with Mike and Dana. Proudly present to you by ISS EDU. I'm your host, Mike P, your favorite educator interviewer, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, Dr. Dana Specker-Watts, the Director of Learning, Research, and Outreach here at ISS. We're thrilled to have you back for season three. Grateful for your incredible support. With over 20,000 downloads and listens, this season, our mission remains unwavering to deliver the best practical information, insights, and strategies directly to you. Our goal is to equip you with the tools you can implement right away to delve into further to enhance your educational practices. Before we get into today's enriching content, a few housekeeping items. Don't forget to hit the subscribe, like, and leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform. Whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and many others, we're right there with you. Stay in a loop about upcoming events and certifications by visiting iss.edu slash events. And for those seeking exciting job opportunities, be sure to explore our virtual and physical fairs. Get ready for a season filled with inspiration, innovation, and impactful insights. Let's make this journey together. Now let's get started. Hello, educators and change makers. It's a pleasure to welcome you back to another exciting episode of EDU Learn, Ask Me Anything, proudly presented by ISS EDU. I'm your host, Mike P., the educator's best friend. Join with me today is my co-host, Dr. Dana Specker-Watts, who serves as a Director of Learning, Research, and Outreach at ISS. Dana, how are you? Everything's great, Mike. We're so close to the holidays. What can't be great? I know that's right. We also have with us Molly Faye, who's serving as the voice of the audience. She is the customer support and technology coordinator here at ISS. Molly Faye, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Glad to be here, Mike. Thanks. Are you also in the holiday spirit? 100%. Jingle all the way. All right. Let's jingle on then. We're thrilled to have everyone back here for season three, episode 14 of our podcast. Your unwavering support, of course, always warm our hearts. Don't forget to hit the subscribe, give us a thumbs up and share your thoughts through the reviews on your preferred podcast platform. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, and many more. Our mission is clear to equip you with valuable insights and practical strategies for your educational institutions can stay in the loop about upcoming events, virtual events, and certifications by visiting iss.edu slash events. And if you're looking for new career opportunities, please explore our virtual and in-person job fairs. So let's dive in today's conversation. Who person we have privilege of hosting today, or who is the guest for today, would be Aaron Bagel. Do I have it right, Aaron? You want me to leave you hanging? It's it's pronounced Beatley, like B-E-A-T hyphen L-E-E. You'd Beatley. never guessed it. Beatley. Well, oh, my wife's it. last name is Irwin. Still married? Happily married. Happily married. Very good. But I have a nickname for you, and I have here the mover. So Aaron. <laughs> mover. Right. Aaron has recently shared a wealth of knowledge and expertise with us through a course on EDU Learn platform through the course. How regular movement enhances mood, 
cognitive function, and general health through theory and practical exercises ranging from structured workouts to mindful practices. And our discussion today is titled Connecting Well-Being Through Movement. But before we get into the topic, let's get to know our guest a little bit more. Dr. Aaron Beatley is an internationally minded physical educator and scholar of school-based physical activity promotion based in United States. Beatley is widely recognized for his work with schools and organizations interested in maximizing the role of physical education and physical activity to create an active culture of well-being. Aaron, how are you and when's the last time you took a walk? Last time I took a walk was probably last night. I rode a bike this morning at 5.30, if that counts. And I tried to put my last name in that bio as many times as I could, so you'd have to read it. I didn't. I'm sitting. <laughs> Thanks, Beatley. Yeah. See? I just go by B at school. It's Dr. B, Mr. B, whatever they want to call me. <laughs> and you sound like a very active individual. Have you been like that since your teenage years? Or when did you take this on as a lifestyle, would you say? Oh, probably in the teenage years. And then it ebb and flowed through my adult life. I played baseball as a kid. So you can play baseball and take like five steps over the course of 10 years. It doesn't require a ton of movement. But then in, I started getting into wanting to be a physical therapist. And then that I realized I didn't like organic chemistry. And then, but I did like moving and fitness and that kind of thing. So that's kind of maintained throughout my adulthood. It's just been up and down with respect to consistency and things like that. I think like most people probably. And do you say there is a correlation between your physical activity and your overall well-being? Like after you go and take that walk, do you feel better? Can you think clearer into the future or something? 100%. So <laughs> my wife and I go work out in the mornings on most mornings, unless she, unless one of us says, ah, we, we can sleep in today. But most mornings we do. And as of recently, I have added just an extra walk in the afternoon and evening. And it is unbelievable what it has done. Just that extra walk has done for my productivity mindset. It's incredible what it's done. And I've been getting a lot more done professionally, but I've also been probably in a better mood. You'd have to ask those around me if I've been in a better mood, but I think I've been sleeping a little bit better as well. And it's not that I wasn't active and wasn't working out or wasn't doing things. It's just that added walk that's helped. I'm not worried about fatigue. Am I worried? No, not Yeah, because you added that second one, you know? Yeah, it's not much. I mean, it's an extra half hour. It's not, I mean, it's not extensive. But I think, man, for the most part, what most would tell you, I mean, there's, it's, it would be hard to do too much. I mean, I think there are some, maybe some endurance athletes might be getting too much and too much rigor on their body and that kind of thing. But I, I don't think that is the case for me. Aaron, I don't know about you, but I feel like I have more energy the more I exercise. When I don't exercise, I feel lazier. Like, I just feel like everything seems harder. I want to go to bed a little earlier. I want to like, I don't know, just kind of, I feel lethargic. And if you don't believe that, go travel for a day. Mm. Sit on an airplane and then you get finished and you're like, this is awful. Or drive, yeah. or, you know, if you have a long date drive for, we took our family from down to Florida this summer and we drove and oh, it, you just feel so lethargic and blah at the end of the day. And, and I think, you know, again, it's just a matter of getting up and moving a little bit that helps tremendously. Uh, Funny that you say that because I flew home yesterday from Atlanta, Georgia, and I was in bed by eight o'clock last night because I was just exhausted. Yeah. And it's just amazing what it does, the, just the lack, when, especially when you're used to having it and then you don't get any and it's, you know, it's kind of like caffeine or something. 
Aaron, could you share with us a couple exercises or movements that you recommend that could be easily tailored to individuals' needs in various environments? Yeah, there's two things I recommend, and this is just for my own personal and and some of the I've, I've been diving into some books lately on on mobility and the activity patterns of those in the blue zone. If you've ever heard of the blue zones, where they have a longer life expectancy, and some of the research coming out has suggested things as simple as being able to get up off the floor. And there's there are experts in this field that do a much better job of explaining this than me. But the idea of moving around on the floor, getting on the floor more often, just while you're watching TV, just sit down on the floor and you know move your legs around and, and those types of things. And there's all kinds of activities and exercises. So anything you can do to work on that mobility and then uh, walking. I mean, it's probably the most, I, I know it is the most prevalent, at least in the States activity for adults doesn't require much pair of shoes. If you want to, I guess you'd have to have earbuds and a phone if you want to hear the podcast or that kind of thing, but it, mm -hmm. it's relatively easy. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with a friend, whatever you prefer. Again, it's relatively easy and there's no such thing as bad clothing. There's or no such thing as bad weather. There's just bad clothing. So when it rains, you can go. If it's cold, you can go. Now, I don't get as many walking partners around this house when it's cold, but and of course, when it's hot and nasty, I don't want to go and they'll go. But yeah, I think walking and, and anything you can do for mobility is it will help tremendously to keep you being able to do and some strength training as well. If I can pick three, I think any kind of body weight strength training, that kind of thing is helpful. The bottom line is you have to enjoy it. So is there a benefit to walking outside in the cold versus the very hot weather? Are you an educator looking to elevate your career? Consider more than university your gateway to success in international schools. They offer fully online programs with flexible start dates and affordable tuition rates, allowing you to balance work and personal life. Morley University isn't your typical institution. Say goodbye to dull lectures and hello to engaging, interactive learning with passionate educators like yourself. It's a hands-on education that sparks creativity and prepares you for the real-world challenges. With Moreland University, you can earn a prestigious U.S. teaching certification or a master's degree in education from anywhere in the world. Their programs are designed to empower you to become a leader in your field. Don't wait. Take your steps forward, transforming your career today. Visit www.moreland.edu and apply now. Let Moreland University help you make a difference in student lives worldwide, one classroom at a time. Your journey to becoming an exceptional educator starts with Moreland University. A brighter future begins with you. Ooh, for me, yes. I mean, it's I'm well insulated, so it, walking outside in the sun in the summer is not as enjoyable. But I don't know any of the research if if it is or not. I know there's research on just getting outside with fresh air and sunshine, exposure to sunshine, and things like that. I have a question. Sure. In terms of like structured workouts, physical activity, and then how it plays into mind, like mindfulness or like the emphasis it places on it. Is there a place that kind of differentiates between the two, like that you emphasize one versus the other, or like how do they work together or separate to contribute to overall well-being? That makes sense. I think, I think yeah, I, th I think it depends on the individual. And mm -hmm. some people will enjoy going to the gym and most of us has been somewhere though they'll, they'll go work out and it's a social event 
and they could not, I used to be this way. I couldn't do it with headphones on because you just want to talk and that kind of stuff. And you're not nearly as efficient, but now I can't do it without headphones on. Sometimes I just put my headphones in and don't have anything playing just because, you know, you don't want to talk. You want to, you kind of get in this zone and you're where you want to be. And it's different for everyone. And it, it doesn't have to be this workout of going to the gym. I mean, that's the one thing, at least as a physical educator, we're trying to really send the message to students that is it doesn't have to be a quote unquote workout. It can be you going and walking. It can be you going down or in a room in your house. It can be while at commercials doing body weight activities, those types of things, or walking or kayaking or whatever activity. The, the key is, and this is lesson learned for me a very hard way because I gave some people really bad advice when I was a personal trainer. And the key is, is do something that you enjoy and something that you want to do. I had people coming in while I was a personal trainer and they would say, what should I do? And I would tell them all the things I knew they should do. And like never once did I say, what do you enjoy doing? And that should be the question. What do I enjoy doing? And then build from there. If I enjoy walking, great. If you enjoy lifting weights, lift weights. If you enjoy kayaking, kayak. If you enjoy hiking, hike. And, and finding those things that, again, it's one of these things we're trying to do in PE is help students figure out what they like and why they like it. And if you like the solitude of hiking, by all means, hike. That will be the thing that you will most likely sustain because of what it does for your mindfulness and, and your mental state of being is when you're walking and that helps you, then you're more apt can do, to do that. Most people won't continue a physical activity program, I put it in quotes, just because it's good for their health. They will do it if they have some other reason, if it, if it helps them clear their head, if they like being in the woods, if they get to walk their dog or they get to spend time with a loved one. That's usually so that there's social reasons and, and other reasons that people are doing it. It's kind of like the example is cigarettes. Most people know you shouldn't smoke, but they smoke. So knowing the physical activity and, and doing it once or twice, but to keep it going and how the impact mindfulness, have it impact your mood, et cetera, has to be something that you enjoy and will persist in or see some benefit in. Aaron, you know, I really think that social component too that you mentioned earlier is so important. I run with a run group at multiple times a week. And if I miss it, not only am I missing my workout, I'm missing out the, on the opportunity to catch up with my friends. So I kind of get that double like bonus of finding that group and 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 it's that peer pressure then also of, of course I'm doing it. What am I going to say? I'm not doing it. Like, then they're like, come on, you wimp. Like just because right. it's snowing out, you can run. And I'm like, okay, I wish it was snowing. Right. And, it, and it's that social piece that we miss that we, I don't know. I don't think at least as a physical and edu physical education that we've done a good enough job to say, one of the benefits of this is the social piece of it. And that will help you persist. Just kind of piggybacking off of what you guys are saying, I think there's also, for me at least, safety in numbers, because I'm not going to be a runner that's not really something I've gotten into, but I love Zumba, and I love like group workout classes. <laughs> and yes, I have the videos on YouTube that I can do at home by myself, but then it's like, ooh, my husband walks by, and I'm like, oh, don't, don't look at me, I'm exercising by myself. But right. when you have that group with you, it's so much more easier to just invest and like go all out. And it's kind of like boy band moves that they don't look nearly as good by themselves as they look everybody doing it together. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Far less Very, impressive when it's just me. Yeah. 
<laughs> During COVID, I tried to do yoga online. Oh, it was terrible because they'd sit there and be like, okay, so turn off your screen and do this. And I'm like, they're not watching me. I can answer email. I can multitask. And they kept finding myself sitting down doing yoga. And we were supposed to have our screens off and doing you know, all the things. And yeah, that did not work well for me. Didn't have that social pressure of your friends calling you and telling you that you were needed to be there. Mm-hmm. Dr. Beetle, my next question. How can educators effectively integrate various types of physical activities into both physical and remote learning environments? In the classroom or in the schools, it's not as big of a, been a major push. When I first got in this field, I've been doing this for 25 years. If I would have said we need to integrate physical activity into the school day, I would have been run out of the room by most educators. And only once was I close to that. But it's come a long way and we've done a a, a much better job of figuring out how we can integrate physical activity in the classrooms and teaching concepts, um, engaging. And it's not just a physical activity thing. I think in education in general, we've gone much more into engaging students and, and providing them with experiences that are meaningful for them. We've done some research and things working with recess and making recess more attractive and more engaging with things that we've done in physical education that maybe relate to, to what they want to do at recess, offering activity zones so students have new things to do and, and activities we found is increased activity at recess as well. So having some structure, but not a structured recess where everybody's doing the same thing. It's choices that students have and, and they can pick and we found that works. Building community and trying to do like when you have school festivals to make them physical activity based, sort of building this culture within the school that this is what we do. We have physical activity as a pretty significant part of our day. I've seen teachers that early on before we had internet and lots of tools online, they would play videos for the whole school that they could all do together in their classroom. Just lots of things going on. And I've done some work with that in the comprehensive school physical activity realm, CESPAP, CISPAP. Outside of school is when it really becomes some of the technology. I have a colleague of mine in England has a, an app called MyMove, and it really seeks to, you'd use it in physical education, but you can use it beyond. And students start to have, one of the things I think we can do is start to have them understand and cognitively have this relationship with physical activity, if you will, and start to understand their own, again, what they like and why they like it. And on this app, students record their thoughts, they record their activity, and they record how they felt. And then the teacher has access to that, and the teacher can have a conversation. My daughter went through this, how I know about this, my daughter went through a PE program that used this app. And the teacher knew that she was a dancer and was asking, you know, how is it going this semester? And I don't know if you know much about the dance world, but in the fall, they do all their rehearsals and, and all those, but they, they don't have any competitions. And so she got a little frustrated and bored and, and he knew that. So he would contact and talk to her. And then they had other things they were doing in PE. So it helped the teacher connect as well as in PE. But then when you were out of PE, you could still do it. If you're doing remotely and you have this where the students are recording their activity and then you have a chance to see wow, every day after soccer, you feel horrible. Why? And as a teacher, you can correspond with them and find out what's going on here. Is it, is it, you don't like soccer? Is it the team? Is it burnout? Is it, and can really start to dig into those and and help the student as well. So it's a little bit of a, a little bit of the technology piece, but it's also a helping track and help students understand. So the CISPAP is really what's going on in the schools. And then I think apps like this, my move or something that can be done outside of PE during remote learning. 
As an educational professional, you likely understand the positive and crucial role inclusion has on classroom culture. And you might be on the lookout for a community of like-minded educators. Senya International is that community. Senya is a nonprofit organization that advocates for individuals with disabilities and promotes inclusive educational practices across the globe. With a network of educators, families, students, and professionals, Senya offers connection, professional learning, and support for educators like you. Connect with the Senya community via our membership program or a local chapter in your area. Enjoy professional learning with the Senya community via our podcasts, online certification program, and in-person or virtual conferences. Support Senya through our sponsorships, awards, and scholarship program. So, what are you waiting for? For more information, head to our website, senyainternational.org. That's S-E-N-I-A international.org. And together, we continue to make a difference and fulfill our vision of living in an inclusive world. Nina, did you have something? Mm-mm. Molly Faye, did you have something? You feel like he answered it already? I did, but I do feel like he answered it because it was talking about how you envision the role of technology kind of helping facilitate physical movement for students, furthering that, and if you saw it becoming more and more incorporated in physical education in the future. You shared a couple apps that are currently present, but like, what do you foresee coming up? Yeah, I think when technology, and still to some people that have the same color of hair as my do, I do will say this, that technology, I'm gray-headed, those either on the podcast and haven't seen me, that we always, oh, technology, oh, technology. Well, you know, yeah, I'm guessing my parents said the same thing about VCRs and video games. And, it, it, you know, we just keep going down. And I think we have to leverage it and just accept that it's here. You know, it's kind of like the AI discussions that we can't just hide it and say you can't use it. So I think the technology is coming a long way. It used to, you know, it was pretty cutting edge. I, some of you will laugh at this. When I first started teaching, there were these little devices called PDAs. And it stood for personal digital assistant and it, it not public display of affection. And it was designed that you could basically track your phone, except for it wasn't a phone. So, and that, oh, that was going to revolutionize physical education. And we were going to use these to assess and all of these kinds of things. And they lasted like 10 years or five years or whatever it was. But I think we've come a long way and we're, we're looking for tools that help students see themselves moving. So you set students up on a, they're doing a forward roll or they're doing, you know, something underhand serve in badminton and they can video it and then they can come see themselves do it because most students have never seen themselves do anything they're getting better now with videos and stuff on their phones but so that's a tool having a a projector up where you can actually have someone doing the skill over and over if you're teaching a skill or a concept and the teacher doesn't the students like "Ah, i'm confused they can look up and see what the skill was but then these assessment tools i think that are coming along to get student perspective i think is and the real time of that like my daughter would record that, you know, burn out from dance and he would know instantly and could talk to her about it the next morning. And, you know, I think that's something that's coming down the line as well. It's here. It's just a matter of becoming more prevalent is the issue. Aaron, at one of my previous schools, I had a lot of pushback from the PE department to integrate any technology. And then I had a teacher who was working on, I was running a grad certification course. So she took a course with me and she was trying to figure out ways to integrate technology. So she did just what you said. She started videotaping the students and she saw such a remarkable change once they could see themselves on what they were doing wrong. 
that literally the other PE teacher who was so anti-technology ended up loving it. And then her whole like grad research project ended up like being featured by the university because it was really good and it was solid work. And they're like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can just use one to enhance the other. Yeah. It's just like most things. I mean, it's not inherently good or bad. It's how we use them that makes it, you know, we're not suggesting sitting kids down and watching a movie during PE. That's not the suggestion. The suggestion is to do it to advance whatever we're trying to teach, whether it's having them understand their own preferences of physical activity, or if it's a skill in physical education, or if it's a concept, or if it's peer assessment, they can evaluate each other and and sit and Mike and I can sit and look at a video of me throwing and Mike can give me feedback and I can watch it and we can discuss it together. And then the teacher can simultaneously come up behind you. I mean, I think there's lots of benefits just using it efficiently and and to meet your outcomes and what you're trying to teach, which, you know, doing technology for no reason, just kicks and giggles just because somebody else did it on, on Twitter or something is not the right reason to use the technology. This could be a silly question, but is there DEIJ issues in physical education? Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, it's getting better. There's still a lot of discussion, simple things like, should we have co-ed or separate PE classes? The issues with uh, weight, I guess, shaming, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I teach a class, I teach a class and it never surprises me. I teach a class for classroom teachers every semester. And the first assignment is the good, the bad, and the ugly of physical education, because I just want to open it up and let them express exactly the feelings, because a lot of them haven't had positive feelings about PE, frankly. And every semester, at least one student talks about being weighed in front of the class still. Mm -hmm. And it's like, what are we doing? So yeah, that I think I had a student when I was in California University it was a student teacher that that stood up and fought for the student because she had to wear headwear. And they said, no, you can't wear hats and PE, so you can't participate. And so the girl never participated. And the student teacher's like, this isn't right. And I said, you're right. I said, do you want me to talk to the cooperating teacher or do you want to? And she said, I am. And so she went up and talked. And this student, they like, said, like, he doesn't have a choice in this. And they said, well, and so, well, I guess it's not a hat like we're thinking with, you know, because they didn't want kids wearing baseball hats, basically. Mm-hmm. And the student began participating and no one ever looked back at that school, at least while I was out there. So yeah, we have issues that need to be addressed. Students with special needs, we're, we're better now. We're not nearly where we need to be, but we're much better about that than we used to be. I mean, students that had any kind of special need would just usually sit in the corner. 25, what, 30. what are they doing now? That's they have paras, I think, Physical education teachers are much more aware of how to, with the classes that they have at the university. One of the things my wife teaches it at our university, and one of the things they really emphasize is ask the student. Whether you think the student, I mean, it's one of these things they think, well, he doesn't talk. Nah, ask him anyway. <laughs> I remember we were working with a school at a local school and a guy named Teddy. And you wouldn't think Teddy was really paying attention to you at all. And we the student asked different questions and finally figured out Teddy liked to dribble basketball. And so that's what Teddy did a lot. And, and that's fine. I mean, it, he, he had a lot of severe needs and that's what he wanted to do. And it helped. And you could use that to push different behaviors and things like that. So I think we're becoming more knowledgeable with respect to that. We're getting pairs as well. Some pairs are better than others, but I think teachers. What do you mean by that? I guess. Paraeducator. Uh, what's the, what's the more generic term? Uh, Dana, paraeducator, uh, assistant. Like an uh, assistant yeah. for a student oh, with special okay. needs. Yeah, or co-teacher. Like an, or an aide. Yeah, they'd come with two PE with the student. 
Mm. And some students need one-on-one, some students, they come to PE and there's one paraeducator with three students and they help and are with the student all day. And so they understand and can help with figuring out, you know, some communication issues or if they have a new communication device, just it was last year, I was in a school and a student had a new device that could communicate and speak for her, but they were trying to figure out making some PE terms for her. So, so it, was, it was, you know, we're getting better. I think we're, we've got a long way to go. I think, you know, there's evidence that teachers only talk to the skilled kids more than the unskilled kids and those types of things that aren't where they I need to be. I think we also have a way to go with what we think of when we think of an athlete, right? Because I uh, think about like, and what that body type looks like, because I know for years, like I've always loved to run because it helps me deal with a lot of anxiety and stress. I will never have a runner's body, but what is a runner's body, right? Like I've said that so many times, but what is a runner's body? Like my legs, I mean, obviously you can't see them because we're on a podcast, right? But I've always had, I was a soccer player and I have legs that like the football team used to be like, can we have your legs? And I'm like, please take them, right? Like they're like tree trunks, like you cannot knock those suckers over, but they're never going to be the long lean runner's legs that I think of when I think about that. But then when I look at my run group, every size, shape, everything is there in every age group. So like we have to get out of that mindset of only certain body types or certain people can do certain sports. You know, you think of gymnastics and you think of tiny little, little people. Well, that's not necessarily true. That might be who goes to the Olympics, but like in reality, people who do things in long-term and like, I would have never thought I do crew now and like actually that it's 80% leg and 20% upper body. And so like if I had, I always thought like crew, like the tiny little coxswain in the front, but like crew members are quite, when I go to the crew house, like people are, I'm quite tall and people are much taller than I am. So like, it's just changes what you think of when you think of an athlete, but we have these preconceived notions of who should, who gets to call themselves an athlete, I think. Hi everyone, this is Aaron Moniz, one of the co-founders of Inspire Citizens. My name is Scott Jameson and I'm the Global Collaborations Lead for Inspire Citizens. We help inspire schools to live their mission of global citizenship. We look at existing units through the lens of empathy to impact and connect student learning with themes like sustainable development, harmony with nature, social justice, and the holistic well-being of our community. We also work with students to co-design student leadership programs. Another way that we support educators is through our Global Citizenship Certificate in partnership with ISS. This certificate program involves best practice resources for global citizenship education, interactive opportunities to engage with other cohort members, a great team of coaches to walk you through your learning, and optional opportunities to connect via seminars with other participants from around the world. Please visit inspirecitizens.org and click on the Inspire Educators tab to register for the Global Citizenship Certificate, visit the ISS website, or go to the ISS EduLearn Passport to register today. At Inspire Citizens, we believe that the young people in our schools have the potential to lead change and inspire others through their work towards a more sustainable future. We look forward to working with you, and we hope that together, our resources and your contacts can help to create a more harmonious future. And the sporty type 
And it's like, what is that? What does that mean? My wife has run into the same thing. She had knee surgery a few years ago and she kept going to PT and they're like, we're going to get you back running. Cause she's built like what you would, the stereotypical runner, but she doesn't run. And she's like, no, nah, I don't care if I can run or not. I just want to get down on the floor with my kids. That's it. <laughs> and every time for three months, we're going to get you back running. She's like, no, you're not. Cause I'm not going to run. <laughs> But it is these preconceived, oh, surely you don't do that. I'm like, yeah, I do. And again, we're getting better. And, and these are the things I think we need to be very intentional about in addressing NPE. How, and you know, it depends on the culture and where you are and those types of things. But I think we could be much more intentional about who plays basketball. Oh, tall people. Well, no, anybody can play basketball and not get down those, you know, it's like anything. And if we can start to chip away at some of those stereotypes and some of those things that people think that are overgeneralizations of things that aren't very accurate. Aaron, as we come close to the end of our episode here, did you have any last advice uh, just in general for physical educator teachers or implementing physical education in schools? Yeah, I think probably if I were to tell teachers to ask, I've just been doing some work on this, so that's why I'm thinking about it. Ask your students often, what do you like and why do you like it? And help them understand the different reasons people like activity. And we just released the 20th edition of our textbook. And we have a section in that book. The 20th edition means it's been out since 1968. I wasn't, I'm not that old. I wasn't on the original. But <laughs> in that book, there has constantly been a section called the urges and needs of students. And it's really neglected. And I don't think we've done, a, a you know, at least in PE enough of emphasizing this, that find out what some students like it for social reasons. Some students like it because they like to compete. Some students like it because they like the cooperation. They like adventure. They like expressing themselves rhythmically. All, all these different reasons that people like to be act help students understand, OK, you liked when every time we did rhythms and every time we did gymnastics. Okay. What's the commonality? I don't know what the commonality would be with that, but help them understand, well, oh, this time you, you did the rhythms. You like that. And you were with your friends, but gymnastics, you weren't. So maybe it's a friend thing. Maybe it's a rhythm thing, whatever the issue is and helping students to understand that of what do you like and why do you like it? I know what that person is. It's a soca, lo soca lover. Okay. Yeah. See, Mike working in this. I, I was expecting some intro with, with uh, some steel drums, Mike, but I didn't get that. So I'm sorry. Next time. Next time. Okay. I'll, I'll do the. Yeah. I think the, the those two questions thing. are huge is what do you like and why do you like it? And then when they get older, you can start asking them, how does that influence what you're going to do later in life? But younger age, letting them figure out what they like and why they like it is, is a big piece. And some students like to be challenged and uh, there's just so many reasons. And trying to delineate those and, and help students and just be put them up word walls, put them up on the wall, different reasons people like to be active and let them read those words and see those words and those types of things and really emphasize that. Dr. Beetle, did you? <laughs> yeah, you Beat forgot the hyphen in there. B-E-A-T hyphen L-E-E. -E. It's the hyphen that's crucial. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought I had it right there, too. <laughs> you do, except for you didn't put the high hyphen in it. Beatley. Yeah. All right, Dr. Beatley. If I had boys, we can cut this out. But if I had boys, my brother wanted me to name him Grant. Get it? Civil War reference? Mm-hmm. Grant Beatley. Uh, they thought they were cute. Beatley. Oh, yeah, but that's so easy to remember how to say it then. Beatley. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. More editing for Mike. No, I'm leaving that in. 
<laughs> okay, good. Leave it in. <laughs> and if anyone had any questions based on your joke, where can they reach you or find you? My joke of a career. <laughs> I'm Aaron Beatley, A-A-R-O-N-B-E-I-G-H-L-E on LinkedIn and Twitter. And I've recently been trying to do, tick, my daughters make fun of me for this, trying to do some TikTok and Instagram stuff to get some information out about our 20th edition of our book. And that is my D-P-E-A-S-A-P. My D-P-E-A-S-A-P. The D-P-E stands for Dynamic Physical Education. All right. Thank you. Dana, Molly, any last words? For Aaron, Dr. it's Beatley? awesome, Joy. Thank you so much. Oh, go ahead, Molly Faye. No, I just, I'm visiting my in-laws right now. I have a 13-year-old brother-in-law. We were asking him what his favorite thing about school is. And he told us his least favorite thing is that he only has gym once a week and they don't have recess anymore. And it's tough for him because he's a person that burns off steam. Movement helps him refocus. It's really important for his well-being. And so just being able to talk to you and hear your insight is is really valuable and, and really timely, honestly, for the conversations that I'm having with my family right now. So. Thank you. The major reason we have decrease in physical activity around that age is because PE is happens less often. They don't have recess anymore and access to youth sports goes away around the age of 12. Yeah. It's a bummer. Yeah. It's tough. So you got to get these habits, these physical yes. habits. Do what yes. we like. Tiny Best kind of exercise is the exercise you do. Right. Love it. Love it. Good. <laughs> Thanks so much again, Aaron. Thank you for your patience and letting me butcher your name. Oh, geez. Times. Are you kidding? I've lived for 52 years with that thing. Can you imagine? <laughs> no. Thank you for sharing your valuable insights and experiences with us today. It's been a pleasure having you on here at EDU Learn. Ask me anything. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. If you found this episode inspiring and informative, please be sure to hit the like, subscribe, and share the AMA with your educated friends. Stay tuned for more exciting episodes. Until next time, keep exploring, keep learning, and keep making a positive impact in the world of education. Until next time, see you later, my fellow educators. Bye-bye.